I'm Jay Mac. And I'm Jess. And you're listening to Base Code Podcast. Yo, yo, yo. G'day, g'day. <laughs> I got you that time. You did get me that time. I was going to make sure to just really jump right in there. Yeah, yeah, you got me. So we were just talking about how we have no idea what we're going to talk about this episode. <laughs> I mean, we have a rough idea. We have a rough I idea. Just, I, think this is like, I think this is like the final one. Yeah. I, I was glad we did this, but it... It was really more born out of like, it's time for a mini series. Like I was having a lot of people ask me stuff when I was at conferences, like when's, when's the next one? When's the next one? And I think that kind of spurred me to get involved with it. Okay. But I was pretty reluctant about the topic. I mean, we've, we've talked about this in previous episodes, but just, I think we're just the type of people that aren't a hundred percent comfortable talking about our own stuff without feeling like we're like salesy or something yeah especially more of the like less code technical stuff you know more of the businessy side of things where it's like i have some experiences but i really don't know what i'm doing yeah i remember i was editing the last one and i I think you said the same thing it just to us i think it felt like it went long and i mean to be fair it was a longer episode compared to some of our other episodes it was it was about 30 minutes and most of our stuff's normally 20 but I, yeah, I feel like the last five minutes was just like, what are we talking about? <laughs> yep. All right. So what would you like to talk about today then? I think we just wrap it up. I think we wrap up kind of the building stuff with maybe just like do's and don'ts, miscellaneous things we learned along the way that maybe we didn't cover before. And I think we just, we just round it out that way and call this done. And we'll come back a little faster with maybe some heavier code. Laravel stuff next time. Okay. So there were a few resources I actually wanted to mention or practices, whatever you want to call them. So the first one was actually a book by 37 Signals or Basecamp that's called Getting Real. And it came out like, I don't know, like early 2000s or something. And I read it back then and it was amazing. And I reread it recently and I got a completely different set of things out of it. Because the first time I read it, I was reading it from a very developer employee point of view. And this time Mm -hmm. I read it as more of a running my own show kind of point of view. And I just wanted to recommend for anyone that hasn't checked it out, the amount of tips for like running your day-to-day stuff, staying lean, focused, small, all that sort of stuff. It's, It's an amazing resource. So I wanted to give a quick shout out to that because I feel like it shaped a lot of what I do. Yeah, I definitely feel like I've read that before as well as Rework, which I think is one of their other ones. Yeah, and the thing to mention with Getting Real is it's free. It's 100% free. It's online. Like You can download PDF, view it in your browser. So it's not like a paid product recommendation or anything. It's literally a free resource. Yeah, I'll have to reread that. And every chapter is like a really short, just little essay on a really short topic. You can literally just pick one at random. You don't have to read it through in sequence. And yeah. It actually is like the perfect example of those books where they basically collected all of their blog posts over yeah. like 10 years and just made them a book. Yeah. Like there's actually no continuity between quote unquote chapters. Like it's it's just here's a topic. But there's no, yeah, there's no filler or anything like that. It's just here's just a, like a brain dump, which yeah, I quite like. Yeah, I, I think that's an interesting point because I, I feel like Maybe if you have the clout behind you, such as 37 and Signals does, like you can do that, you know? But I think yeah. that's a little harder to do for like, you know, 
the mere mortals of us in the world. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, I don't think I could go collect all my blog posts for the last decade and wrap them up and put them in a book and have it be a bestseller. No, but you've got a field guide, right? Which is a similar sort of thing. It's just a collection of kind of standalone tips that you could read each one in like, you know, five or 10 minutes, right? The tips are standalone, sure. But I mean, there's definitely continuity about writing readable code yeah. with these 10 practices, like they're interrelated and interconnected. So I, there's a bit more thought into it than just random, no. <laughs> random blog posts. I know, I know what you're saying. But yeah, like even like getting real as a whole, it's, you know, it's all about writing software and, and managing a software company. So it's all on the same theme. And sure, sure. No, I, I got you. I think maybe the point I'm making, though, is and kind of to the point of this little mini series about like developing products is, you know, it, not everything's going to be a success. So kind of to a comparison point, which is, is kind of a sub point to to make here in just a second. But to, to the original point, like base code definitely wasn't like any kind of bestseller, you know, like it, it probably really if I calculated the amount of time that I put in on writing it and, you know, building the site and, and marketing it, like, you know, I might've made like five bucks an hour. Like you have, you know, yeah. so the, the point is, is that I'm, I'm very happy I did it and it's, it's an asset over time. And so it's, you got to look at it kind of overall, but I definitely know, for example, like Jack Ellis recently reached out to me on his, you know, course he was doing and just kind of wanted to know like, hey, you know, how how did this go? How did base code go? How did, you know, Confident Lyric file go? And he was asking me about a couple of courses. And I think, you know, sometimes that's stuff that people don't always talk about and and kind of, you know, the point I'm making is that it, it doesn't always work. You know, you have yeah. to have, you have to have some momentum or a name behind you to really be able to make something like that work out. Something like that in this case being a book that's just a collection of, of yeah your writings. I think a lot of people have heard the kind of Adam Wathen success story with you know a few of his his books and video courses and want to make that real for themselves and like with starting anything on your own the majority probably won't be successful but if you can keep trying and keep putting stuff out there and support yourself with other things on the side then and as long as you're enjoying it and learning stuff as well like any of this yeah. material that you're creating generally you need to be like learning stuff at the same time you're doing it so and i think just for people maybe that aren't in the laravel community you know we're referencing adam wathen and his progression over his digital products and you know that's kind of the point like even his stuff had a progression like it his first book wasn't necessarily like his bestseller so to speak like you know each time got a little bit bigger and bigger and bigger and it came from conference talks as well like that was almost the way he validated his idea was well, I don't, I don't know if he, it was even deliberately validating an idea, but in terms of, you know, doing meetup talks, doing conference talks and seeing how popular those were and then seeing there was a real market for creating something as opposed to just having an idea and, and running with it straight away. Yeah. And I think that goes back to kind of that sub point I wanted to make a second ago, like, you know, you definitely have to be, you know, the right place, at the right time. It, you don't really want to compare yourself when you're starting some of this stuff out to the people that are successful in the community. Like it's good to aim for that, yeah. but you want to be careful about not making it a comparison. Make, you know, make it a goal. Don't make it a competition 
or anything like that. Yeah, and stay grounded. I think Christoph, I don't know if I've got his last name right, Rump, Rumpel, he's in the... Rumpel? Christoph Rumpel? Rumpel? I don't know. That's a guess, but... Anyways, Christoph, he's in Laravel Community, but he, you know, made a book maybe about a year ago. The, the chatbot one, yeah. Yeah, and he he had a post. We'll make sure to link it in the in the show notes, but... He talked about exactly that, just like, hey, it, it really wasn't all, you know, sunshine and rainbows, like it kind of was a flop, you know, if you will. Yeah. So again, it doesn't make it not worth your time. It just means that, you know, go into it with expectations that aren't like, oh, it's going to be just like Adam or Taylor or other successful launches within the communities. Like, it might not be that. Like, that's great to have that goal, but definitely, yeah, you know tamper that down a bit <laughs> yeah and there's this principle of validating your idea before you spend too much time on it but in my experience validating an idea is actually really really hard because everyone will lie to you which is what you know books like the mum test and that are about where people will tell you oh i'd love that i would buy that you know we had this experience with one of our things with the tweets you know but then when it comes down to it people weren't as enthusiastic as they said that they would be before it existed exactly yeah, I definitely agree with kind of the classic stuff that people say, like build something definitely for yourself. And then I think I kind of help prevent my expectations from becoming out of line because I really, really focus on that MVP. And so that helps kind of balance the amount of time I spend on something to kind of see if it works out or not. And I think that's been helpful for me because I've definitely tried shifts like PHP shifts, for example. And thought, oh man, if these are good in Laravel, they're going to be even better in PHP because it's a larger community and it's going to apply to more projects and yeah, you know, all sorts of stuff. And they got used like relative to the Laravel shifts being run. I mean, it was like one percent of the shifts that were run. And I, eventually, I just abandoned them because it just wasn't worth the time, literally. Yeah, but I mean, you never know unless you try, right? True, but I guess maybe taking that story a bit farther. And as kind of a lesson learned, like, sure, you can definitely try something, but you really don't want to force something. Like, I don't want to go back to making PHP shifts, even if someone was like, you know, oh, Symphony or Zen 3 or 15 or whatever it is, it's going to be great. You should build a converter. And I got all these people that are going to use it. Like, no. Yeah, I think like that also comes down to the community as well. I think we've talked about different types of communities are less willing to spend money than are willing to solve their own problems and all that sort of stuff. But it depends on, you know, if you're running a business, how much time you've got free, you know, you've got to have a market that's actually willing to spend money and that ideally is already spending money solving similar sort of problems. The money aspect is huge. Like that's kind of the thing with all this is there's, there's so many aspects because the other side for me is like, I don't want to have all my eggs in one basket. Like I don't want to only have shift, which is why every now and then I'll make a course. But it's also because I kind of see an opening or an, or an area I'm interested in. But at the same time, like a lot of that's also just because, yeah, even though shift is like definitely the the big moneymaker again by percentages of, of kind of like revenue generation, it's also something that, yeah, what if no one uses it to upgrade, you know, in Laravel 8? Like, what if by Laravel 10, Taylor's tweets are true? Like, it only takes three minutes to upgrade. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, what if that really was the case? Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, there's just so many aspects when you land on a, on a project or a product 
part of it just feels like so lucky to me. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's important, like we both do sort of like consulting and things on the side as well to, you know, supplement our income. I made the, I don't know whether it was a mistake, but I took almost a year unpaid to just focus on my own stuff. And I wouldn't say that like in terms of like the success of the product, it definitely didn't pay off. But in terms of just changing my career trajectory, I feel like it did a lot. I learned so much and it changed my mindset to the point where I don't feel like I could go back to working as an employee and I'm really enjoying doing consulting and just having that sort of variety and sharing what I know and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, right on. So the other thing I wanted to, like resource I wanted to mention or practice is jobs to be done. And I don't know how many people have heard of this. I don't know a huge amount about it, but I know the basics and I let them kind of guide a lot of what I'm doing. So for people that haven't heard of it, it's this idea that any person has something in their mind that they need to do. And if you're not solving that problem, so in terms of from a marketing point of view, if you're not immediately solving that, if they're not looking for what you're doing, and you're not solving the thing that they're trying to solve right now, then it's probably not going to be successful. Interesting. And the other thing that I really like about it is that it also relates to like UI design and software design in general, where when you've got someone using your software, they've got a job to be done. They want to create an invoice or they want to upgrade their Laravel or, you know, whatever it might be. And your UI and interface should be about having those things that they want to do at the forefront and not kind of burying it behind your own sort of ideas about what you'd like their workflow to be. It's really just about they need to do something. They need to get something done. They have a job to be done. And you're just putting the thing right there that they can use to get that job done. Gotcha. So do you use that with your products? Like how do you use that in your products or things you're working on? I always try and imagine, like from a marketing point of view, I always try to keep in mind the mindsets that I imagined people would be in where I would have a product that might be able to solve that problem and to try and frame any marketing, any attempts at advertising at targeting people when they had that job to be done, when it's at the forefront of their mind and then just offering the solution so that it's kind of like it's just targeting their pain. And then in terms of UI design, it's the same thing. I imagine if someone's using my software, there's certain things that they want to do. And so it's all about making sure that it's really obvious where to get to that. There's a button. Like if they say, you know, I want to, you know, add a um, occasion for somebody or whatever it might be, that that button is just right there. It's obvious. It's not obscured or anything like that. And to that point, we recently renamed one of the concepts in the app because we had this concept of lucky ducks. And it was this way of getting around the idea that, the majority of people that you would add in the app would be probably family because they're people you give gifts to. So they're people you're really close with. So the term friends that things like Facebook and that use didn't feel quite right because it's kind of like your family and friends or your loved ones or, you know, these sorts of things. So Mm -hmm. we originally settled with, with lucky ducks, but on reflection, it's not really clear to people when they want to add their family and friends that they're adding a lucky duck. And we put this effort into try and, educating them on this new term that we'd created or this yeah. new concept we created. And at the end of the day, people are familiar with using the word friends to talk about their family. You know, everyone's got their family yeah. on their friends list in Facebook. So we thought, you know, let's just rename it to friends. And yeah. 
Yeah, it's funny because like sometimes I'll get in that too, where like I try to land on a name that has a rich vocabulary around it. But it's also one of those things that as you start to use it, it's kind of like falls apart. Like the same with shift. I When I did shift, I always like thought about engine for some reason. I don't know. That's where my head went. And at first I tried to incorporate more terms that made it like, you know, shift into high gear and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. And it just, it just, they were forced, you know, it yeah. didn't work yep. and I, I backed it out. So, but yeah, anyways, it's kind of like not here or there, I guess, you know, it's just one of those finer details about products. But I guess the thing it does make me think of, you know, and again, there's no silver bullet or anything, but I do think there are some things to definitely not do. And the thing I was thinking of is like, don't go off in like the basement in the dark corner and just make this thing for like six months and don't share it. Like, I definitely agree. You know, I'm going to attribute it to Adam because I've heard him say it, like work in the open, make sure you're sharing as much as you can about this. It definitely is kind of the whole, you know, Nathan Barry thing, like become an authority on that topic. Like it helps, if nothing else, drive that. Yeah, especially if you don't have a big name. I mean, you know, someone like Taylor Rotwell can work on a secret project for a long time and release it with no one knowing anything about it and have it be a success. But it's not, you know, it's because of, you know, the existing effort he's already put into the community, the existing cloud here. Yeah, has. the platform's already there. Yeah. And, you know, just making it not be specific about the Laravel community necessarily. Like, if you were some shoe company, you would have to educate the market on why your shoes are better, how you're a shoe company, what are you doing different? Like, you can't just be Nike, who already has this backing, and then release a shoe. Like, we already know all that. So when you release a shoe, it's great. We already know you're Nike. You can put your little swoosh on it and we're all good. But if you're a brand new shoe company, you, you don't have that luxury, right? You kind of have to really work the grind and like you were saying, educate and you know show why. And I think that's the part that people miss, that little gap that helps them give a leg up on marketing because otherwise you have this huge uphill battle and potentially all this inventory or set another way for developers, all this time spent coding something and you know if if you got the time then who cares you know whatever go for it try it out i'm definitely not trying to say don't try something i think for me though time is like the most valuable thing yeah and as i've become older i don't want to spend it on coding it's not that i don't like coding i love what i do but it's just from a time perspective almost i can't afford to really be working on the wrong thing because i won't get that time back so to me there's a little more pressure to choose the right thing or to stick with something that's working so i think that's made me more cautious to try new things and so that's the perspective i offer and maybe why i'm saying things like you know it's kind of luck and there's no silver bullet like i think some people try to give you a roadmap and i kind of just don't believe in those yeah and in terms of the self-promotion thing we're talking about working in the open all that sort of stuff I think the real key there is to be genuine to not be purely doing this stuff because you want to make money in the end you have to actually really care about helping people because people will see right through any sort of I guess veiled attempts to do something purely for self-gain sure and absolutely like you know whether whether you're doing meetup talks you're tweeting useful stuff put stuff out there that's legitimately no strings attached, right? It's not 
I'll give you this little thing if you, you know, sign up to this, because that's, you know, obviously got a string attached, right? Yeah. But just putting out purely free stuff. And from my point of view, doing conference talks, just tweeting, doing podcasting, all that sort of stuff has helped from a business point of view. It's also helped from me just getting contracting work. I'm really, really fortunate now that I don't really need to look for work. People come to me saying, oh, have you got availability? And that didn't happen before I started doing things more publicly and out in the open. Like prior to Laracon 2018, I was a lurker online. I didn't talk to anybody. I just worked in silence. And since, yeah, joining the community properly and actually contributing to it, my life has improved so, so much. So uh, That's good. That's good. I think another example of that working in the open like really well currently is Caleb Porzio Mm. he's doing everything really in the open like almost too much from my perspective but he's he's a young dude he's crushing it but at the same time kind of just going back to how it led to other things that's kind of his full-time job is working in the open and you know he's figured out ways to monetize that accordingly either through sponsorships or getting probably the occasional contract work or client work or whatever so yeah you know, all this can lead to something, even if it doesn't lead necessarily to a successful project, I guess is the point. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I mean, that's what's happened in my case. You know, I had this dream of building a self-supporting product and that didn't happen. But along the way, I found something that I am enjoying just as much. So cool. Well, yeah. So if you have an idea, I definitely encourage you to check it out. But, you know, be sure to balance some of the things we've talked about with what makes sense for you. Like if you have extra time and an idea, like, sure, go for it and and polish it up maybe a little bit better than J-Mac might with his MVP. But if you don't have time, then then don't be afraid to do the MVP and, and maybe try to do stuff more in the open so it's a little more obvious that it is just this MVP and you're just kind of hacking around and, and get feedback on that and listen to your users and pivot and, and kind of go from there. And if you can get something else out of it as well, like I said, like with learning, a lot of people will say, you know, you shouldn't try and learn some new technology when you want to build a product really quickly. But at the same time, that's generally my excuse to learn something new. So even if the product doesn't work out, I've learned something, you know, for free almost. So yeah, it's not always a loss. Exactly. Yeah, definitely make it fun by valuing what you're doing. Don't make it fun by, again, trying to be compared or competitive with other things that are out there and set yourself these kind of lofty goals. Because from my experience, nine times out of 10, it's not going to work. And that other one time looks somewhat lucky on occasion it's kind of a right place right time right idea kind of thing yeah cool all right shall we wrap it up there sweet we'll wrap this little mini series up and maybe we'll pick up something more code heavy in like late june we'll take a couple weeks off yeah i've got some ideas sweet cool all right it's been great all right see you then see ya show notes for this episode can be found at basecodefieldguide.com slash 22